0: Stay tuned for The Lynn Show. Today, I'm airing an interview with jazz trumpet player, James Suggs. Two casual decisions when he was nine years old, led James to what would become the passion of his life. It's a charming story told by a charming, thoughtful, gentle, talented man. So hang on, here come the show. show is about being the person you really are, not the person other people are, not the person you think you're supposed to be, not the person somebody told you you had to be or even sometimes told you you were, not even the person you may currently think you are, but the person you actually are. Unfortunately, too many people have experiences in their childhoods that discourage them from being some of the things which they actually are. And because children are so flexible, they learn to pretend that they are not these things, and often come into adulthood having forgotten or being in denial for some things that are really true of them. In my show, I interview people who make their living or their life with an art, because when you listen to them, you can hear what it sounds like to be who you really are. And in today's show, my interview with James is such an example. As I said, there were these two casual choices that he made at age nine, but once made, really defined his entire life. As I said, James is now and has been actually since age nine, age as trumpet player. And I'm going to proceed my interview with a cut from his first CD called You're Gonna Hear From Me, followed by my interview with him. Okay, I'm sitting here with James Suggs, and I'm explaining to James that I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a big stretch to say that you are making your life and your living with music, with jazz, with trumpet. Have I got this right? That's
1: exactly right.
0: Okay, good. So I only ask one question, and it is, can you remember and can you tell me the very first time that music or jazz or trumpet or anything related to that called you, interested you, seemed attractive to you.
1: Definitely. When, when I was nine years old, mm-hmm. um, I started playing trumpet. And, and, you know, the usual grade school, you know, you have to pick either band or choir. I chose band. I chose the trumpet just because my best friend at the time was playing the trumpet.
0: Okay, now wait, 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 wait. Were you humming before that? Were you listening well, to music? Did you care or? I
1: did, uh, yeah, definitely all of that. Uh, my, my parents are, are still big music fans and big jazz fans. So ah. There was always NPR or on the car radio or in the house and you know a great record collection and so we would always listen to to music there was always good music
0: okay but they didn't play they didn't play so there wasn't any suggestion that you should become a musician
1: no not at all no and they didn't kind of force anything on us it was the you know my sisters took ballet for instance Mm -hmm. and it lasted about a couple months and then they moved on to the next thing so as far as they were concerned maybe this was the same for me with the trumpet yes but it stuck
0: Okay, so uh, your friend is playing trumpet, you choose band just because, you choose trumpet just because, exactly. and then what happens?
1: Well, uh, the funny thing is, about a year later, he gave up and stopped <laughs> playing the trumpet, so left me alone with all these other people in band class. But I didn't care by that time, because I was really getting into playing it. Not practicing, which I r- realized later I should have been doing, and is very necessary, but just playing, having fun playing, making sounds with the trumpet um and then when i was 10 years old my my mother and some friends of the family took me to a Winston marsalis concert <laughs> and that was life changing i still remember that very clearly i remember going into the concert thinking oh this is going to be boring even though he plays the same instrument that i am into i don't think i'll like this but just seeing him walk on stage and command the the you know the the the, the audience and their you know um, and just the, every note he played and, and the songs that he chose and the way he spoke to the audience and looked them in the eye and then um, at the uh, the break the, when they took a break halfway through the friend of the family came up to me and said hey why don't you why don't I take you backstage and so you can meet Winton and by that time I was blown away by Winton you know, he was a you know in that I don't know hour that had gone by he'd you know, He'd grown' He'd grown into this <laughs> super idol that I, you know, <laughs> right, right, right how can I go and talk to him and so
0: and he, what you're 10 years old I was
1: 10 years old Wow and he he kind of you know took me by the hand and, and brought me back and talked to the security guard that was manning the door and he said please let this 10 year old boy go in and, and meet his idol and so he felt bad he you know he, he touched a, a heartstring so he, he let me in. And Winton gave me a lesson for about 20 minutes right there backstage on his set break when he should have been just relaxing and not talking to anyone or, you know, My he God. was giving a 10-year-old boy a lesson. And at one point he sat down at the piano backstage and said, you need to learn how to play the piano and played with something for me. And he said... You know, put your hand on my stomach and see how I breathe when I, you know, when I'm taking a breath. You need to take a nice big breath like I do. You need to practice every day. I mean, it's just a long list of things. And it got to the point where the his break was coming to an end. And the band members said, excuse me, I'm sorry, Whitney, <laughs> we, have we have to, give to get back. To we have to get work. And he, he was so lost in the in the lesson and, and trying to help out this little kid. Random little kid that he didn't know from, you know, Adam.
2: Yeah. If I
0: understand correctly the person who took you backstage didn't have any power. No. He just thought this would be a good idea yeah. and he made it happen.
1: Exactly. You thought, mean, why not? Why not try?
0: Most people wouldn't have thought of doing that. And if they thought of doing it, they wouldn't have had the courage to do it. And they went, and was this a somebody, somebody to whom you were very important?
1: No, well, the, our family, um, we were really close, you know, our family and... and but their, it wasn't even
0: family. a family member. No, it wasn't. No. It's, it's pretty amazing. It is. It well, is. Uh, yeah, So, and so I'm assuming that your fate was sealed, essentially, that day.
1: Exactly. I remember that night, I was just entranced. I couldn't take my mind off of him and what he was doing on stage and how I wanted to do that eventually. So you know, to the point where I just sat down and wrote a letter. I wanted to express how much that meant to, to me. Yeah.
0: So then what did you do with all of this uh, newfound motivation and passion?
1: I went out and with the money I had from allowance or whatever my parents would give me, I'd go and buy cassette tapes at that time and then eventually CDs. And I'd go and listen to, as, go to as many live concerts of these great jazz musicians as I could. Um, I started studying privately with a great jazz trumpet player who was actually friends with Wynton. his friends with Wynton, So that was right up my alley. He was teaching me exactly what I wanted to learn. You know, they, there are so many different styles of jazz, you know, um, and he was the, the perfect teacher to show me, to steer me in the right direction for the way I wanted to go.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you're studying, mm-hmm. and you're t- you're ten, you're eleven, you're twelve. You've yeah. already made up your mind what you're going to do with your life. Is basically. that correct?
1: Yeah, that's basically. Okay. I-, I had no idea if it was smart or not, or if I was going to make money or fail. I just, you know, I it was blind ambition. Basically.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you weren't asking those questions. No. No. You mm-hmm. were following your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So were you playing in the school band? Did you put together a band of your own? Were you? What were you doing?
1: Well, yes, all of that. Um, yeah, school band, definitely. Um, and as many ensembles as possible that I could get into within the school. Um, and then also in the summertime, I started doing uh, music camps, band camps. And at first it was just general classical um, camps, classical music. And then I started to uh, find jazz camps that I could go to and spend a week or two weeks and you know uh, study with big names or local you know guys
0: so your parents must know by now that this is not going to go the way of your sister's ballet
1: exactly (laughs) exactly, (laughs) right exactly and it's it's you know they've already given away their ballet slippers and and i'm asking for a mute or i'm asking (laughs) Or another horn, or a better horn. Right,
0: right, right. Okay, this is high school. You are Mm -hmm. doing absolutely everything you can think of Mm -hmm. to get better and to become the musician you want to be. Yeah.
1: Okay? And when I was 16 in high school, um, a friend of the family, another friend of the family, we had good friends, (laughs) uh, still do, um, mentioned that there was a uh, group called the Continental Singers. That um, it's basically, a, you know, you, you get together in a camp, and then, if you're accepted, and then you go off and play throughout this country and other countries. And it's a two-month-long intensive kind of tour. Um, and I thought, you know, that sounds so cool. And I was really impressed that, you know, they thought that I could actually do it, because I never thought of touring at, you know, 16th. So it's not one of those good tours where they pay you. It's one of those tours (laughs) where you pay to go, right? (laughs) You raise money, and and you audition. You send in a a recording, and I was accepted. So when I was 16, I went out to Santa Barbara, California, for a two-week rehearsal camp. And where I met, you know, the singers and the band members, and we learned all the songs, and then we started out on a tour. And we toured all throughout the United States on a bus, a big tour bus. <laughs> After the U.S. Uh, tour, we toured Holland, Switzerland, and Germany, which was mind blowing. Just, you know, just to I remember the audiences in those countries. You know, they for an encore, they don't, you know, stand up and just you know, keep clapping. They actually clap together, all, all everyone. You know, a theater of how many thousand people clapping together. It it was incredible i mean just mind-blowing and people coming up wanting autographs or and i was 16 and i'm like what is, you know and then you know of course there were moments where the the bus broke down of course you know, like, right. it would overheat in like new mexico and we have to you know, <laughs> right. deal with that but that's all part of it the...
0: and that is all part of it isn't it right okay so 16 you have an opportunity really to say I like this, I don't like this, I want this, I don't want this. And assume, soon obviously you said, I want. Yeah. So that's when you start thinking about going to college. Mm-hmm. So what did you decide to do?
1: Well, um, fortunately, I, my grades were okay. And I, I wasn't the best young trumpet player ever, but I had some talent. So I had those good things in my favor. So I, I applied to a lot of different schools. Um, one of them, I remember, Berklee College of Music in Boston, which is a, still a huge school um, really important my dad uh, took me there just to see how it was and it was such a a rat race just walking around you know all these people running around you know bumping into you and all these cases and you know, um, I mean the facilities were great it was it was really remarkable but I just I got kind of overwhelmed you know yeah it didn't feel right to you it didn't feel right and then you know at that time was I was in Ohio and one of the schools was youngstown state university that sounds like just a random and it you know you go there and you say okay this is nothing special but you know it was about an hour away from canton where i was from where i was living and i'd gone to a jazz camp there and i'd met some of the professors and these were top-notch professors and they they showed me what they could teach me and and then the students i got to kind of hear the the students that were already there it's right around the corner the, obviously the price is a lot lower <laughs> than a Berkeley or, <laughs> right, right, you know. right, right. So my parents liked that part of it and uh, so I, I ended up going to Youngstown State and it mm-hmm. was one of the best decisions I've ever made.
0: Well, it sounds like you make good decisions all around.
1: I you know, I, I'm fortunate to have good options and and smart enough to pick Take it right, exactly. You know, and I think, you know, listening to people that you respect, asking their advice and and you know, they're listening to their criticism and their uh, what they would do in that situation, and what they did in that situation, um, when when it was you know presented to them, I think that's really important. Is to take. Now I still do that. I ask questions. I say, what should I do? What would you do? Uh, what do you think? Because I even if I don't end up. Doing what they say. At least I have that in my head. Too. This is how I was raised. Raised, and that's how my parents are. That's how my siblings are. I mean, it, it ends up being an easier journey if you if you look at it that way, yeah. rather than than being the mean guy or the the, the big ego guy. Um,
0: yeah, this is probably one of the reasons Berkeley didn't work for you.
1: Y- yeah, maybe. For instance, my my professors knew me by name and yeah. they cared about me when i was thinking about dropping out cuz i was getting so frustrated with my playing and my lack of progression compared to my fellow classmates you know and i just felt like they were growing at a faster pace musically than i was and technically you know playing the instrument the trumpet is such a hard instrument and i just felt like i was drowning you know i couldn't keep my head above water and you have 4 years basically usually in college to to Learn everything and prove that you can do it, and then they say, "Okay, you're good," and give you a degree. <laughs> and I felt like, "No, wait, wait! I'm still trying to figure out the stuff you told me last year or last semester." And they're giving you more stuff. And also that you know that time you're you're starting to play gigs and you know make trying to make money and make connections. So it's all this stuff nonstop, and it was just so overwhelming, and I was getting really down on myself. And I started to tell friends, "I'm thinking about taking a year off." just to kind of digest everything and then come back. And like I was saying about, you know, the difference I think, and I don't know for sure, but I imagine a place like Berkeley, the teachers wouldn't care <laughs> right. if you were coming back. Or right, not. right. But at Youngstown State, word got to my professors and they called me up at home and said, I hear that you're thinking about taking a year off. And head of the jazz program, we were about an hour and he was just trying to convince me that I should stay. And then I'm, you know, wor- it's worthwhile to stay, and I'm an asset to the to the wow. school. So, and I ended up staying because of that. Um, so that that kind of thing was really, I mean, it's it was a really special...
0: Again, you, this person who's not in your family takes you to see women, right? Yeah. And then this teacher goes yeah. out of his way to call you at home. It's pretty amazing. So you had a lot of the universe
1: yeah.
0: say and do it,
1: yeah. James. And that's, that's kind of how I try to live my life i've had so many incredible experiences um and it's always been you know if i have a good opportunity i'm going to take it and if something's you know if someone wants to help me i'm not going to say no no i'm, I'm going to accept it and say thank you and that's happened it's, it happens over and over again that's which is incredible
0: so you stay in school
1: mm-hmm.
0: and does it get easier for you, or is there a plateau, or is there a it something? It does get
1: easier, and that's that's kind of it's, that's another reoccurring thing as far as playing an instrument and being a musician that I've noticed is that you hit a wall, um, and it's up to you to struggle through that and and try to look for ways to get past it, or to just stay at the same level and ah. give up, which is very easy to do. Um, so that happens, you know, every now and then I get to that wall. And so, yeah, that halfway through my, my college career, that was that wall, one of the walls. And luckily, Did somebody
0: describe this to you or you just discovered this on your own? I
1: just discovered it on my yeah. own, mm-hmm. yeah. Afterwards, I realized what, what it was. Mm-hmm. And I so I kept listening to my teachers and I kept, you know, taking their advice. And, you know, they'd look at me and say, you know, they'd look at me and say, I know you're You're struggling, but if you could see from my point of view, this is just a step, you know Just get past this part and you'll be fine.
0: And I want to stop you because I I always want to take this opportunity to highlight the incredibly important role that teachers Mm. have I don't know how many people I have interviewed where the teacher made the difference saw the quality before the person saw it Mm -hmm. or did what this of teachers did look if you could see through my eyes you would see you know there's no way to overestimate how important they can be and here of course we have this that teacher who did that for you made it possible for you to go on right it's amazing
1: and the opposite unfortunately is true too if you have a bad teacher that can ruin your dreams that can you know ruin your ambition
0: that's exactly right and i've heard that story as well so kudos to the teachers you had exactly and again i mean maybe this is woo woo but you seem to have attracted a lot of help in Mm -hmm. your
1: life that's true
0: you know and You know, maybe you're just meant to do
1: this. Hmm. I think so. (laughs) I'm going to keep trying. No, I mean
0: (laughs) it,
1: you know. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I'm also, I think, you know, like if if things steer you in one direction continuously, you kind of have to (laughs) just do it. You can't fight against it, you know.
0: Except for that one glitch. Did you want to fight?
1: You know, that was... Yeah, I guess looking back, I think that was really the only time in my life where I was actually thinking about just giving up—not just giving up school, but giving up the trumpet. Yeah. You know, it just got really tough. You know, and fortunately, I got past that. I've never experienced that that again, fortunately. Um, so, yeah, and then also at that time, I started working on cruise ships. Yeah, so I used to be a gopher for the jazz department at Youngstown, so I'd run packages and envelopes and files over to offices Uh, I you know I'd start to chat with people and one secretary said you know I just went on a cruise and I thought of you because you play the trumpet and I got the information for the cruise ship and she says I don't know if you're interested but it might be a good like summer gig for you you know another time when I'm thinking okay I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I'm qualified so I go through all, all the audition auditioning process and then I do it and I get accepted and that summer I go out on a two-month cruise um, out of Boston going to Bermuda. And that was my first experience being a full-time working musician. Where yeah. I was getting paid well, and people were actually going to... I was part of their vacationing experience, you know, mm-hmm. which was mind-blowing <laughs> for me at that time, you know. Um, you know, I was struggling to try to find gigs at coffee shops, mm-hmm. and, you know, and here I am, you know, making real... And cash, I can remember the stacks of cash that they give us every other week, you know. And so it was great. It was, they're taking you to all these exotic places. Mm-hmm. You meet people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And
0: okay, so then what?
1: College was a good experience because it allowed me some more great opportunities. Um, a jazz camp, the tuition was waived. And it was in upstate New York in the mountains in Lake Placid, mm. which was absolutely gorgeous. So I'd, it was a good retreat for me. I drove from Ohio to New York, and I spent two weeks there. And there were top-notch, big-name jazz artists that were the clinicians. And we were working one-on-one and you know, wow. eating lunch and hanging out and jamming together. Um, and then another experience was um, going to Beijing, China, with a... Jazz quintet comprised of both uh, students and faculty, so that was all within you know the college you know experience. And so
0: you must be, well, I don't know, maybe you weren't um, thinking I could do this.
1: Yeah, it seemed more and more real, but then again, I wasn't branching off on my own and saying, "Okay, I'm James Suggs, I'm a trumpet player, here I am." What can I, you know? I was still that's a
0: different skill. That's a different skill, and. <laughs>
1: and i I don't think I was ready to start that part of it yet, so I was you know eating up as much as I could uh, on the other part of it, you know,
0: right uh, right, and having a good time
1: yeah exactly yeah. and learning a lot
0: yeah, so then you graduate so
1: then I graduated um and uh you know doing some more ships, and then i um I got a call to play for the in the Glenn Miller orchestra, and uh, <laughs> yeah which is great.
0: You threw that out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when I, you know, that was right after college. And, you know, in college, you know, you think everyone thinks they're so cool. and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're playing the cool music and they're not listening to the old music. And Glenn Miller kind of was like almost a joke to us because it was like the old music. And, you know, I accepted it because I thought it would be cool. It would be fun. And it ended up being really fun. Um, We toured the the U.S. um, really non-stop tour and i remember the first night you know i got up you know the book is huge I mean, <laughs> it had about a 800 charts in each each book um so you know that before you get to the sound check which is the slash rehearsal and you that's when the, the band leader would call the tunes and he'd say okay number number 597 <laughs> you'd have to file, flip through 597 and then number three you know if, <laughs> <laughs> and you build the set list each night like that. So, you know, there's a lot of sight reading. And I was, you know, pretty confident with my sight reading. And, and, you know, we did the first rehearsal, first concert, and I'm feeling really happy about myself. And the lead trumpet player leans over to me and says, you have to play with us. And I said, what do you mean? I, I sight read everything. He said, no, you, you, you played, he was pointing out the notes. You played that note way too long. You played that note way too short. We're putting a lot of vibrato on this, on this note. We cut off on beat four of this i mean he was just like and it wasn't mean no it was no co- no completely constructive hey let me help you out and i had no idea so that was a learning learning thing for me it was like thinking okay i know how to play this stuff it's easy it's cheesy but it ended up being a really good experience uh, experience as far as learning and realizing well and how that to play this,
0: with other musicians
1: exactly and realizing that this music isn't what we no. think it is mm-hmm. it's really i mean really great music. It's funny, yeah, you, you think going into those situations you think that you're almost better than something that's been around for so long and yeah, been right. so successful for, for so long and that's ego creeping. That's right. Creeping in. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and, and uh, you need a little of that, don't you? Yeah. Um, well, you
1: do. But mm-hmm. I mean, you also need to know your place. I remember the, the 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 leader of the Glamour Orchestra told me you you don't have to play the original solos that, you know, they played the trumpet players on the recordings. Even though that's what they did, night after night, they played the same solos. He said, "I'm not expecting you to, to do that, but you have to play in the style. You mm-hmm. can't be playing bebop or anything modern over right, any of this. Right, right, right. Play in the style, and that's kind of it, that was another kind of thing. It's like, all right, I have to respect this music. I have to respect what I'm getting into.
0: Well, and it's a discipline, isn't
1: it? Yeah, def- you know, definitely. And I ended up doing the Tommy Dorsey orchestra as well. Um, I've done that a few times, and that's that's a little more relaxed. That's mm-hmm. more, that's closer to what I grew up listening to and playing, mm-hmm. um, but it was still the same thing. You have to listen to the rest you of the You have guys. to do what's required. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Do yeah. you want to talk about what you're doing now?
1: Mm-hmm, sure. Um, well, I ended up, through all of the ships and everything, I ended up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Ah. I was there for eight years playing professionally, wow. and living and traveling, and and also still learning how to be a, a better musician, and, and, and doing more gigs on my own, under my name, presenting tributes to Miles Davis, tributes to Louis Armstrong, which I still do. I, you know, after eight years there, I I realized, okay, I, I miss my family. I miss speaking English. <laughs> you know, I I just, I had to come back, so it was time. So I came back, and I that's when I moved to Florida for the first time. My parents were already in Spring Hill, um, Florida, and had moved here. Uh, my sister had moved to St. Pete, um, so I thought most of my family's here. I'll just come and hang out with them while I figure out where I'm going next. You know,
0: before you wait for the universe to tell you. Yeah, what.
1: exactly. <laughs> I'm take a little breather. I'm gonna hang out at the beach, have right, a couple right. of mai tais, ties right? Right, right, right. And you know, and yeah, you're right. What what the universe told me, or God, whoever told me, was that you know it's what God told me is that you know we. Where I was was exactly the place I was supposed to be, you know, St. Pete, hanging out with my sister, we'd go to, you know, her, her husband works at a, is a manager at a bar, and uh, we'd go and hang out. Turns out Nate Najar, a big fish here, mm-hmm. um, amazing guitar player, he was there, and he'd heard about me, that I was in town. And so we started chatting, and he was realizing, you know you could see his eyes opening wider and wider as we're talking. He hadn't heard me play, but just the for, you know talking about my experiences and telling him right. what I'm into and who I like to listen to, he realized, "Oh wait, you could maybe this guy could actually play. Maybe he knows what he's talking about." And then he introduced me to John Lamb, mm-hmm. and we played at that bar, and then he also in- introduced me to Buster Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone else, I mean, that was the beginning. And I realized, okay, wait, if my, if my family's here and it's nice, you know, I like the weather, I like the atmosphere, good people, places, I can get gigs here. Why don't, why am I looking to go to New York or to California? Or, um, I'll try it out and you know, see how it goes. And, and it's honestly been nonstop um, success. Yeah, Work. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the Jazz Festival
1: the sarasota jazz
0: festival. yes uh, that's coming up yes
1: last year i was invited not to play but to 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 go and to meet houston person mm-hmm. um who i ended up recording with and was the, the producer of my new album my only album that's the first time i've been to the the to the jazz festival and i was blown away by you know the talent and the, the and you know the audience as well you know it's always great to see a great audience and to be in in a good audience um, so that's when I met Houston and met kind of like the, the people, Kim Plowski, the people that are the, you know, the big names there. Um, and after, well, after that, I recorded my album with Houston and then almost immediately, um, they contacted me about playing, um, with Houston at the, at this upcoming, uh, Sarasota Jazz Festival.
3: Yay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> looking forward to
1: it. I'm so, a little nervous. I mean, there's, you know, it's, I, I always get nervous playing with Houston because it's, you know, he's, he's amazing, but he's a sweetheart, you know, but then there are other guys that I don't know. You don't know how it's going to be, but you know, I know their names like Randy Brecker has always been a you know a big trumpet influence of mine. So hopefully that'll be a, a fun time. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> I
0: can keep I'm up. sure it will. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs>
0: well, you are finding yourself there, right? hmm so that's got to be where you're supposed to be, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm going gonna,
1: I'm gonna to keep saying yes. Until, yes, that's right, yeah. that's
0: right, that's right. Okay, so I only have one more question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it is, um, having given a life to jazz, to music, to the trumpet, and you really have, and we're talking since you're nine, mm-hmm. um, is there anything you would say about what that's like or what that means to you, what you think about it?
1: Um, I I still don't know... It's funny because it's something that I can never give up unless, you know, my body or other circumstances tell me that I have to give it up. Um, It's just, it's always been a part of my life and it always will be as far as I'm concerned. Um, And so with that, there's not a, I don't, I can't really think of it as something else. Like, oh, I don't, I'm kind of tired of of sushi. So I'm going to take a break (laughs) eating sushi. Like I can't look at the trumpet or playing jazz or doing that in the same way. Um, it's just always going to be a part of, it's a crucial part of, of what I do. And, and, you know, giving back, like, you you know, we were talking about, you know, people giving me these opportunities. I don't, uh, run away from giving other people those opportunities, you know, younger, I'm at USF teaching at, at USF Tampa. And if, you know, someone that's not in the jazz department says, Hey, I'm, I have this random solo and I have no idea what to do. Would you mind giving me some pointers? I'd say, of course, you know, I've done that. And, you know, I'm not going to charge them. I'm not going to expect anything in return because that's what was given to me. So I think it's just this big, it's definitely a gift. um, And I have to treat it as a gift. It's not really my thing. It's something that I have to, you know, pass on. And and whether that is, you know, teaching someone, you know, a lesson, a private lesson, or playing a concert, or, you know, if... For instance, my friend's mother died last year and he asked me to play Amazing Grace at, at her funeral and you know, I didn't hesitate, of course. Um, so that's, it's, it's a gift. Other people have other gifts, but this is you know, something that for some reason I was given, so I have to keep <laughs> doing it.
0: That's a great place to stop. Thank you so much, James. My pleasure. <laughs> so, he cannot imagine a life without the trumpet. He cannot imagine a life without jazz he cannot imagine a life without music when somebody says this you know you are hearing from someone who knows exactly who he is and as he said in this interview there was one moment when he thought maybe i shouldn't do this and it was because he thought he wasn't good enough not because he didn't love it not because he didn't want it and When you listen to someone like James, it is my hope that you are being inspired to ask yourself, is this how I feel about my life? Am I spending my life doing the thing I know I was meant to do, doing something I cannot imagine being without? Well, of course, I hope you are. But if you're not, The Lynn Show is about saying it's not too late to recover something you may have had to leave behind. So, as always, I hope you got something from this show that you can use. Something that interested you, or amused you, or something you learned you didn't know. And, of course, something that will encourage you to continue to be the person you really are. We're going to go out on another cut from James's CD. This is the title cut you're going to hear from me, and it is James on Solo trumpet. So here now... James Suggs playing You're Gonna Hear From Me.
2: No, Time has come and gone. on. Oh, won't I please get off the stage? Let someone else get on. Well, I I won't be relegated or leave without a fight. No, I will not go gentle into that good night. The Phoenix Got some tang, so you won't hear me. Simple, I may have got to.